songs by U2 and Metallica really seem to capture the story of the Connell Army at Valley Forge in the winter of 1777-78. This podcast will address three important questions. Why is the Connell Army at Valley Forge? What happened at Valley Forge? And what was the impact that Valley Forge had on the Connell Army? Along the way, I will highlight the vital role that George Washington played as well as a few other important historical actors. Can we also talk about the movie National Treasure? Is it historically accurate? Well, yes, Nicolas Cage does mention Valley Forge in the movie. Valley Forge. Valley Forge. But no one, uh, the movie is not historically accurate, unfortunately. I do like the movie, however, and it does show how historical knowledge can make you money. If you do make money, I'm talking to my audience there, on what you've learned in this podcast, I only ask for 50% of the take. (laughs) It's only reasonable. Okay, before uh, we place uh, Valley Forge in a historical framework, it might be fun to think about a few images that come to mind. I've got a couple here. Obviously, our audience can't see them. So if you can describe the first one, Melissa. Sure. Well, it's definitely George Washington. He looks um, alone in a forest and he's down on one knee. Maybe he's praying. Yeah, he looks like he's looking up to heaven. Yeah. Uh, There's no historical evidence at all that George Washington did that. So that would be one of the myths that we have. How about image number two? Um, It looks like it's some kind of a camp. There's very sort of crude tense. It, it looks like a very not nice, like a very harsh camp. Yeah, so the there's this is kind of true and false. The um, soldiers that stayed in Valley Forge did through go through quite challenging times, but comparing it to the winter before and after this, especially the winter after, uh, which was at Morristown, that had 28 storms and the soldiers ain't bark, shoes, and even dogs, mm-hmm. uh, it really wasn't nearly as bad as maybe um, we're led to believe. What about uh, image number three? Um, this one certainly looks nicer. Um, it's got a lot of people in it. They're all kind of gathered around George Washington, and he's looking very 
important upon a white horse. So yeah, I think this one's probably the most historically accurate in the sense that it was the unification of the people that were there. This was the really true first band of brothers in our country's history. So okay, let's put Valley Forge in its historical conference uh, con context now that we've done some images. This allows us to overcome what historian Joseph Ellis terms hindsight history. Since we know the end of the story, which is? Um, the colonists win. Right. It is easy to overlook the messiness of historical events, especially Valley Forge. So here are a few things to think about. The fall of 1777 saw the British Army attempt to end the conflict by waging a war on two fronts. There was the New York Front. Here, British General Johnny Burgoyne moved from Canada down the Hudson River to New York City, which was already occupied by the British. The goal was to cut off New England, the troublemakers, mm -hmm. and therefore win the war. Unfortunately for the British, this plan failed at the Battle of Saratoga in late September, early October of 1777. It should be noted that George Washington had little to do with this pivotal battle. Mm -hmm. More on that a little bit later. The second front, I'll call this the Philadelphia front, is where the British General William Howe and 16,000 soldiers moved to take the colonial capital. And that's where the government was located and where the Declaration of Independence was written and signed, right? Correct. Okay. So George Washington told one city official, I shall take every measure in my power to defend it. Washington, however, failed to stop the British at Brandywine in Germantown. The colonial army did fight well at Germantown, but due to fog on the battlefield, they fired on their own men. Oh, dear. Yeah, known today as friendly fire. Ooh. In the end, the British did occupy Philadelphia. With the occupation of Philadelphia brings into focus one of the main reasons why the British actually lost the war. Instead of destroying Washington and the Continental Army, the British saw the war as a war of geography. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that the British generals were always more interested in capturing a location. First it was Boston, then it was New York City, then uh. it's Philadelphia, and eventually they'll go on and invade the South. Uh. Each time this strategy fails. Okay. With the losses at Brandywine in Germantown, the Connell Army was forced to camp at Valley Forge, which is about 18 miles outside the city. Not a great name, by the way. It is not in a valley, and it, there is no forge there. That had been already closed down. But it was a good strategic location. So it's non-valley closed forge. Right. Undoubtedly, this was a low point for Washington and the Army. Washington wrote Henry Laurels, president of the Continental Army, This army must inevitably be reduced to one or other of these things. Starve, dissolve, or disperse. Yeah, in a nutshell, the government was fading quickly. I suppose if they couldn't even feed or clothe their army. Exactly. Moreover, the colonists were abandoning the cause, demonstrated by the fact that the farmers sold food to the British who paid in cash, not IOUs, as the Continental government did. That historical hindsight that we discussed has caused history students to overlook the simple fact 
that Valley Forge could have, maybe should have been, an end to the continental desire for independence. Wow. Okay, Melissa, let's do a quick review for our listeners since we've gone over a lot of information already. What have you learned so far? Well, first I learned that your guitar playing is awesome. Wow, A+. Plus. Yeah, I'll that my you later. For that. No. <laughs> that my singing is not awesome. No, incorrect. <laughs> the Valley Forge, um that's not exactly what I pictured it as. It's not really what I thought it was. Okay. Um and the British army was making some critical mistakes. Exactly. Um you know, and I actually learned that George Washington wasn't really that great at his job. Um, he allowed the British Army to take over the capital uh, while the Continental Army is suffering. You know, that seems kind of like a failure to me. Exactly. To be fair to George Washington, though, I like to call him GW, <laughs> is that the British had a great army and navy at the time, probably the best in the world. So yeah. you can't expect miracles from somebody, but... He did the best he could, probably. Hmm. So with the loss of Philadelphia, Washington had to deal with his own worst nightmare, which was the removal of him as supreme military commander. A a conspiracy was brewing to do exactly that. It's known as the Conway Cabal. It took place while Washington was at Valley Forge. Historians debate how effective this conspiracy was. Hmm. However, since... Uh, One of those involved was none other than the hero at Saratoga, General Gates. It seems plausible that Washington's career might have ended at Valley Forge. Undoubtedly, the Battle of Saratoga was the turning point in the whole war. With the victory, the colonists obtained aid from France and eventually Spain. One of the tools that the cabal used was a reminder to Congress. It was said that they're the 45 greatest military blunders by George Washington. So, yeah, they listed all of those. The plot to undermine Washington failed when Washington leaked to the press. Whenever the public gets dissatisfied with my services or a person is found better qualified to answer her expectations, I shall quit the helm and retire. Exactly. That's what Washington had said. With this statement, Congress wasn't willing to risk the collapse of the army, which was still very loyal to General Washington. So, with one hand dealing with the conspiracy, GW also had the other hand to deal with the conditions of the Continental soldiers at Valley Forge. A tough task, no doubt. These included the lack of supplies. 20% of the soldiers had no shoes. Food that was marked for the army was rotting in New Jersey Mm -hmm. because the army uh, lacked the means of transportation. 500 500 horses died at Valley Forge. Soldiers ain't fire cake. Wow. It really demonstrates that the citizens and the government weren't even supporting the army. Excellent observation. It really was a bad time for Washington and his men. Hmm. Secondly, 14,000 soldiers, that was the high number at Valley Forge, ranging from 15 to 25, 40% of them were actually immigrants from Ireland and England, lived in just 900 huts. Oh, my gosh. Over 15 men per hut. Oh, no. Oh, no. Imagine the smell. Exactly. Most of these people didn't really bathe but once or twice a year on top of that. So no. no deodorant. You get the picture. So worst of all, 
lack of food and living arrangements, the camp was a breeding ground for disease, especially smallpox. Approximately 2,500 soldiers, or close to 20%, died of smallpox at Valley Forge. Washington witnessed the suffering of his men. He wrote, To see men without clothes to cover their nakedness, without blankets to lay on, without shoes, by which marches might be traced by the blood from their feet. Another visitor to Valley Forge observed, An army of skeletons appeared before our eyes, naked, starved, sick, and discouraged. Those are accurate statements. With Washington waging his own war on two fronts, Valley Forge was a turning point in the American Revolution, Revolution for four basic reasons. As Robert Middlecoff correctly claimed, it is not hard to conclude that the attack on, on smallpox through inoculation, which Washington did, wow. saved the army from disintegration. He, stay, uh, he started doing so at Morristown, the winter camp encampment the year before. This practice was far from acceptable. It kind of makes me think about today with the recent measles outbreak. What comes around in history yeah. goes around. Yeah. Good observation. Washington largely resigned to a new fighting strategy at Valley Forge known as the Fabian Strategy. This was named after a Roman general who used what we called guerrilla tactics today. Not a tactic that General Washington liked using, but that he did to great effect at the Battle of Mammoth in June of 1778 when the British uh, departed Philadelphia. Three, it was, as historian Ellis argues, post-Valley Forge. A war not just of independence, but also for nationhood. He draws the conclusion that the line from nationhood goes right back to Valley Forge. Wow. Lastly, Washington put his faith in an unlikely people, non-colonists, to boot. My favorite of these colonists was, drumroll please, the one, the only, Frederick Wilhelm Ludendorff, Gerard Augustin Byron von Steuben. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine signing that name? It would take forever. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's just call him Byron von Steuben. Can you say his name with me? Byron von, von Steuben. Steuben. Very good. A short bio about von Steuben is necessary, I think. Although he obtained a letter from none other than Ben Franklin, it is common knowledge that von Steuben was a fake and a fraud, actually. So I'm going to give you a couple um, claims. You'll see if they're uh, true or false. So you just tell okay. me true or false. Okay. He claimed the rank of general. Do <laughs> you think that's I'm, true or false? I'm going to guess false. Yeah, he was not general. He may have claimed that, wow, but that, that's, that's actually pretty, true. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So he also claimed to be a close aide for Frederick the Great. I think that's true or false. Um, I'm going to also say false on that one. Yeah, I kind of gave it away with the fraud or the fake. Okay? Sorry, Von Steuben. Yeah. You know, yeah, see, everybody's got their skeletons in their closet <laughs> here. So there is evidence to suggest he left the Prussian army because of debt and his sexuality. Another uh -huh. important fact is that he did not speak English. Something a person who is tasked with the training of the colonial army might need, you think? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have those. but So, the miracle of? Von Steuben. 
is that he did for the what he did for the colonial soldiers. He drilled these soldiers so effectively that after Valley Forge, the Continental Army was considered to be a professional army. Hmm. Moreover, the soldiers bonded with von Steuben. Very good. The enthusiasm that he had for drilling soldiers, often by swearing at them in German and French, was just what the soldiers needed. Besides drilling the soldiers, he also helped improve camp sanitation. Even today, the blue book that von Steuben developed is still in use today. Seven regulations that he wrote, such as NCOs, non-commissioned officers, leading the attack is still in use today. He knew that men had to be inspired as well as trained. Von Steuben was in short America's first drill sergeant. This brings up the last point. Washington is given credit for many things, deservedly so, but one that is often overlooked is his ability to identify the potential in men like Von Steuben. Very good. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. I would like to thank historians Joseph Ellis, Robert Middlecoff, Norman Gelb, and Alan Golzu uh, for their uh, help in, in writing the um, information about Valley Forge. It really helped with my research. And of course, to my partner, in podcasting, Melissa Basinger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. As one historical figure said, some people see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? <laughs>